Hey everyone, welcome to Rajit Show, the show where I interview people who are reshaping what it means to live well in the 21st century. We talk the creator economy, learning and building in public, and how we can hack our way out of our most pressing issues. Enjoy. For sure. All right. What's up, Jack? Thanks so much for joining me. Obviously, I, I mentioned it to you. I'm a little nervous talking to a really famous person right now. <laughs> but thank you, Rajit. I'm excited for this conversation, too. It's so amazing to talk to you. I have so many different places that I want to jump in. But it's just the first thing. I, I just mentioned it to you. I There's this dystopian idea around that is is pushed mainly by the media around technology right now. And the, and the only reason I mentioned that is I was on one hand consuming that and then I was looking at your content and it's just, it's night and day. It's, it just makes me so positive. Yeah, it's super easy to get uh, sucked into the dystopian content loop. <laughs> it's a, definitely a negative feedback process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly I think about the different signals that I let into to my head. And I think your content's probably a little more quality than some other legacy media so. out there. But the place I usually start is that I think obviously there's been a shift. And part of that just starts that time around in March that I think everyone can remember where most of our lives change, particularly for me as a college student. There's a, a day that I think basically everyone can point to where they realized they weren't going back to college. And so I'm just interested in what was going through your head around that time. What were you thinking? Yeah. So around that day, so I was still working at this YC company that I recently left so I could start pursuing NASDAQ full time. And I was at this company, this startup is the better word, and we were doing manufacturing and supply chain for these remote sensors for oil and gas, oil fields and stuff like this, and and a few other projects, but essentially we were building sensors. And what was happening during that time is we had a really big office. We had maybe three people over a pretty big warehouse and we all still kept coming into work. We just stayed socially distant. And so my life didn't change a ton. I didn't like suddenly just get trapped in a box at home or anything like that. It was more just like watching this on the news. And I was definitely of everybody that I know, I was the first person to buy a mask. I bought a mask like January 1st, (laughs) like as soon as like things happened, because my logic there was like, this is completely unknown at the time. So I'm going to do everything I can. I I went completely overboard. I bought sardines. I bought like a full suit. Like it was was like 20 bucks. It was like a low cost hedge. But I did that. I bought a mask. I bought the best mask I could find before all the supply chains were gone. And, but then as like we learned more and I was like, I chilled out a little bit, but, but yeah, at that point it was unknown. So I was like very freaked out. But by March, I already had my gear. I was like, okay, cool. I'm set, whatever. So uh, that was what was going through my head. Yeah. No, if if you want to find the guy that's hoarding materials, it's right here. Um, Yeah. You obviously have been in the technology space for a while. You mentioned being at that startup. So talk a little bit about like the inspiration for NASDAQ and if you Mm -hmm. ever thought about it becoming what it's become now. Yeah. I've been creating content since before TikTok. I posted YouTube videos before this and I, I posted like other YouTube channels as well and all this stuff. But eventually like I settled on NASDAQ. And uh, at first I was like, maybe summer of 2018, I did a few stock reviews and it was just like for fun, just making content. And then in the summer of 2019, one of my, two of my friends, three of my friends quit their jobs and they left to start a company. It wasn't necessarily a startup. It was, I would say a startup is, is meant to scale super rapidly. This was more of a company where they were um, buying land in West Texas, selling it, stuff like this for oil drillers. But essentially 
what I did was I started a vlog, a weekly vlog, mimicking, mimicking essentially like David Dobrik 420, um, very fast paced. And I was just trying to apply it to like startups. So I was like, are you nervous? What are you thinking about? And then we partied a little bit and all this stuff. So I was making vlogs of startup of people doing a company. And at that point I was calling it millionaires by 2020. And so surprisingly, they actually had some deals and they did this and they accomplished it. But that was summer 2019. And it's super hard to grow on YouTube at the time. And it's just like completely not worth it. And like worth the grind when you see that TikTok is like accelerating all these huge creators. So then I was like, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to apply like fast paced content to TikTok, but keep it like informational. And I think that was something that maybe people thought wasn't possible because it was like 15 second dancing videos and stuff, but you can compress a lot of information into a short amount of time. So that's just what I started doing. Essentially, I made a few just random videos and then I made my first kind of NASDAQ video where it was Elon presenting the Starship. And that was last year, maybe September, 2019, September, October. And that went viral at the time. It got 200,000 views over the weekend. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. So like I doubled down on it, but throughout the entire time that I've been making content, the entire idea has been laser focused on creating content, building an audience, and then investing in future startups, like future tech. So that has always been the goal is to always find the new founders that are coming up and teach them about startups. And part of the reason that I got into that was because I had been reading like, and I'm sure one of the questions that you had was how did I get into startups? And I read Paul Graham's essays as everybody did. It's like the super classic way to get into startups. And I was like almost angry. Like I was like, why didn't anybody like tell me about this before? Like, how did I not hear more about startup world? And so I, th that's why I started creating content in general was just like, okay, I'm going to start telling pe more people about this, like how cool this is. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I'm interested in, we talked about it before I've been creating a little bit of content right now, Jack level, but it's, it's weird in two senses. I think there's, First of all, right, and, and I, I would love to get your thoughts on this, right? You don't necessarily, you do, but you don't necessarily create content for someone else. It's your, it's seeing out your ideas in a way. But then also just at first for me, putting stuff out there and getting public feedback on it felt weird. And so I'm just wondering if you probably earlier in your whole life cycle felt either of those two things. Yeah. So when I was doing YouTube, I wasn't getting very much feedback. We get like the hundreds of views or whatever on YouTube. But when I started doing TikTok, this was, there, there was a very specific moment where I felt this like extremely intensely. And what happened was maybe I had, I don't know, 200K at the time. This was in uh, December or January after I had posted the first Starship three months ago. And what happened was I just got super overwhelmed with all the notifications and like all of the attentions, all the attention. And I actually just put my phone on airplane mode and I like, like just turned it off and I completely shut out everything on like I turned off my laptop I turned off my phone and I just sat there and I was like what is like happening kind of and so it was very strange like getting all those comments yeah it, it was just so I didn't really know how to deal with it but eventually you just like, get used to it I think yeah and, and particularly now you probably change your notification settings right you get millions <laughs> of views now yeah so I still look through my comments but yeah I can't read all of them for sure yeah <laughs> and and so you mentioned obviously Paul Graham, I felt that one big time. Obviously, <laughs> I have hackers and painters in the back somewhere over there. 
But and you also mentioned David Dobrik. I'm I'm just wondering, right? Their startup influences, content creator influences. Was there anyone you were trying to emulate at all, or someone's content you saw that really inspired you, uh, that made you try to pursue the path you're now pursuing? Yeah. So I didn't see like a single person, and I was like, I'm going to copy your videos exactly. So I never saw like David Dobrik, and I tried making comedy vlogs. Like when I say that I was trying the David Dobrik, like I had seen what he had done, like going from Vine to YouTube and like how fast paced his content was, like how he had little bits in between in, in four minutes, 20 seconds, while all the other YouTube creators were trying to go 10 minutes. So I tried taking that. And then also what I tried to do was like, you also take from Paul Graham, like he's just talking about startups or really anybody like that whole startup thing. Like you just start talking about that. And I think the way that I always think about things that I want to be doing in terms of a creative process or like just in general, this is how I would define like innovation, although that's like super vague, is that what Walter Isaacson says, he wrote biographies on Albert Einstein, Steve Jobs, Da Vinci, like he wrote all these excellent biographies on the history of the internet. And what he says is that innovation or anything like creative or like worthwhile (laughs) almost, not worthwhile, but anything innovative is a create a combination of art and science. But what he's really saying is it's a combination of two unrelated things. And so by taking two unrelated things, so it's like David Dobrik and comedy, who would think to apply that with startups? But then when you combine those, you get this like weird thing and then you can iterate upon it. So it's okay, I've combined these like ideas, like you take David Dobrik and startups or you like more broadly take creators and startups or more broadly, even like media and VCs. And you know how like broadly there's a huge media VC like beef, like what happens when you combine those in a really excellent way or like in a unique way? I'm not saying my way is excellent, but, and there's probably other VCs that would say we also do media and stuff like this, but it's just a different approach. So yeah, it's always trying to combine two unrelated things. I, I think it's like super important. Yeah. No, I think your way certainly is excellent. I think, and it's one of the things I've seen, obviously, right at a more micro level is how do you. Uh, make yourself useful? How do you make yourself interesting is that you cultivate deep specialization in something that only you're interested in? Because if the market can create someone else like you, then it will. But Then you're nothing. Then yeah. If you are on Clubhouse talking about how to grow your Instagram, you are nothing. <laughs> like you are not, you're not interesting at all to me. You're just another growth hacker person, like very broadly defined. Mm-hmm. Yes, I and agree with that. Yeah, I, I totally see the, the vision there. Now that you've pointed that out, I actually really love that there's this excitement. And to, to some extent, your videos are funny, right? They're exciting, but they're genuine. And and so I, I do definitely have see that. I'm the trying to do a better job at that. David Sorry, Dobrik, whole Paul Graham thing. I'm, I'm moving to San Francisco soon. And like the way that I phrase this is I'm, I've been maybe in a room making content and making videos and stuff, but now I'm actually going to go like out into the world and like, now it's going to be more vloggy-ish, more like things are actually happening more on the ground. So more of that David Dobrik style will be even more integrated into the content, I think. And we obviously talked about Justin Murphy before, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm interested in this. He's talked about going more into the real world. So when I talked to Justin Murphy about content creators, we talked about it, and we both collectively, and I'm sure you two, to some extent, really dislike the word content creator because it, it sounded like someone <laughs> yeah. who's just churning out widgets. And I told him, I, I didn't know how he felt about this, but I was like, I, I think that the stuff I put that out there is my art. And it sounds like a little sophisticated, but I genuinely felt that way. You have to believe that. Yeah. Otherwise you won't make it. 
I think. You will not make it to a top percentage if you think of it as numbers or something. You almost have to think of it as art. And like, it can be, yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree with art. Okay. I, 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 I don't think everything that I put out is art and I hate that, but I try my best to be like, okay, look, dude, you can make art. And then every once in a while, I'm like, yes, I did it. Like I made it a, like an actual good one. And then I'm like super happy. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about this too, because I like to write a lot. Obviously I'm writing a book, but it's something I think about is that when I try to write thinking about what other people will perceive the narrative as, or maybe what other people want to read, I'm terrible. I'm very bad. The thoughts don't flow as well. The writing hard to read. But when I think about what I find interesting and what I'd like to read, it be, the whole process becomes a lot easier. This is the, this is, this is tangential, but this is why alt accounts on Twitter are the most interesting accounts because they're putting out what they want to read and what they want to think about. I'm not sure how much you dived into the alt space, but this is like my thesis, like any, everybody's thesis is that alt accounts don't have to be like putting on a status or a persona of some banker at JP Morgan or what, or more interesting than that, but still they can post about whatever they want. And that's where the really genuine thoughts come from. So I totally agree. Like not thinking about the audience and only thinking about yourself is like excruciatingly difficult, but it's the best way. It's the only way to sustain, I think. Yeah, it is so hard, especially when you get, in your case, all these notifications. It, it's got to be so difficult. I can't even imagine thinking about sort of the way other people are interacting with it. But I think that in some sense takes a little bit away from the art. But the, the thing Justin Murphy said about content creators, and I would love to get your thoughts on this because I thought it was so interesting, was he was saying there's this thing happening uniquely in the 21st century where content creators aren't just these people churning out widgets. They're world builders. They're creating new realities for us to dive into, which I think you've definitely done. I think you're that sort of stature of content creator. And so the thing he was talking about is that uniquely in the 21st century, that created reality is feeding back into our physical reality. So if you follow that whole idea, it's really just this whole deep tech right? David Dobrik, this whole like sort of connection of those two things, making content about startups, getting young founders excited in that way is creating physical opportunities for you. So I'm, I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that. And then maybe more broadly, just what opportunities has pursuing NASDAQ gotten you that you couldn't have expected? Yeah. So for sure. So first off, there's a lot there, especially with, the, I love that question. So first off with Justin saying that you create new worlds, like Yes, any good creator or artist or whatever is creating a new narrative. And it's whether it's like a new narrative or repetitive, it, they're creating a narrative and, and that's what they're doing. And, and then secondly, to build on top of that, I think even like taking that one step further, I think that people who create or curate their, their algorithms as a consumer of content, everybody consumes content. I think that the world has gone like fractal. And I think that this, I've been saying this like vaguely that I think that there are like fractal truths, so like fractal reality. So like reality is here and like it branches off in multiple paths and we can't consume all the information. So you can make this reality true and this reality true to two different people. And both of them are also true because you can make it true and then live it out in your physical world. And then you also make this one true and live it out in your physical world. And they're both super true, even though they're completely uh, opposing. So that's like different, that, that's like a tangent, but... As for creating your own narratives, and, and what was the second question? 
this whole thing just came out of you talking about more stuff on the ground. So I was just wondering, is there any sort of stuff on the ground, any unexpected opportunities that NASDAQ got you? Yeah, so for sure. So one, a bunch of them, but one specific one is that a founder messaged me and he was like, hey, we've applied to YC and we also want to talk to you. Like maybe you can help us with our YC interview or something like that. And they had, they essentially had like users throwing themselves at them. Like they were growing really fast. They were building a startup. And when I was on the phone with them, I was like, so who else have you talked to? And they were like, we've, what do you mean? Essentially was like, like what? And I was like, who else have you talked to? And I was like, what other VCs have you pitched? And they were like, we don't know any others other than you and YC, which was insane. So what this really, so then I was like, okay, that's crazy. I am like the VC that people know. And he, so they were in university. It was like this multi-founder team. And so they were in university. And what, what I ended up drilling into, I was like, so why did you start this? And they, it's not only because of me, but they mentioned my videos. They were like, we've seen that you've made videos about people building startups and it felt more possible. So it's literally like just showing people that you can build the startup, you can build startups, you can take a risk, you can be okay after that and and potentially make a ton of money. I think that's something that needs to be out there. And so by getting that message out there, you're inadvertently or or purposely creating more founders. So I think that's that's a pretty concrete example, I would say, or like a pretty good one. That's a phenomenal example. I was not expecting (laughs) that story at all. So many. Yeah, go ahead. The thing that stands out most to me is that Obviously, there was Atomic Limbs, and I think you had them on there. And they screenshot it. They said, we're getting people begging us for jobs every day. And they screenshotted some of the emails, and they just mentioned your TikTok account. And I was like, oh, my my goodness. There's something really interesting going on here. They also had a WeFunder and multiple investors, both like armchair investors, but also Silicon Valley investors that like DM'd me. They mentioned NASDAQ like video. Like we saw the NASDAQ video, and this is like why we we're more interested in investing or like why we maybe invested stuff mm-hmm. like that. But yeah, definitely like we funder and with hiring engineers. So I think that's super important because my audience is, is a lot of people, but I think hopefully, or, or like not hopefully, but I think it's primarily engineers and investors and people that are interested in like building or investing in the future. Mm-hmm. And I think that's super important. So, so that I, I can help startups in that way. Yeah. And right. This is a hard question, Just, but where did he go? The light is just reflecting into my eye. Yeah, go ahead. And the, the question basically is, you said that your stated goal is to get more people excited about this. So what do you want to be able to look back and be able to, to say, not that you won't keep creating this content, but what do you want to be able to look back and be able to say the impact or the legacy of the whole sort of NASDAQ TikTok account was? Yeah, the legacy or the whole thing is that there's a lot. But I think one of them is like to, and people know this, but to show people that the next Teslas and the next SpaceXs are possible to build. And like, it's not like SpaceX is the coolest startup out there. I think they're awesome. They're getting a ton of hype. But wouldn't the Terraforming Mars startup be even cooler, like even crazier? Oh, we're going to build a rocket looks so small compared to we're going to terraform Mars or like even just scaling that down. Like, I'm obsessed with terraforming the Salton Sea. Like I want a startup that figures out how to monetize terraforming the Salton Sea, which is this like super salty sea in Southern California that was man-made and now the, all the water's evaporating. So it's becoming saltier and saltier. And this is creating pollution around Southern California. So like asthma rates are three times as much 
Um, so this is like very specific, but like maybe I help start like a terraforming company or something. But I think the, the overall uh, narrative is maybe it's almost like Telian in that you break the great stagnation, but I would not nearly be like egotistic enough to say that I broke the great stagnation. I would just be like, I documented people building the, <laughs> breaking the great stagnation and like I helped fund them. So like the, the overall goal is definitely like to, to fund the future. So to make content, but also eventually build an investment fund, both starting in the private markets for sure, doing angel investments, finding out how we can create all this future tech and, and making all of that a reality and, and showing people that it's possible. And one of the things that I was talking to you about before is just this idea of taking control, not only of your narrative, but also of your time. I think 10 years ago, this idea that you could get more involved in VC and, and deep tech by becoming a content creator was a lot less accepted than it is now. It's still absurd. Ab absolutely. And Right. I, I heard this phrase and I really love this phrase and you've either probably heard it or I think you'll really like it too, but we live in this post-permission world, right? There's no gatekeepers necessarily anymore. No one, you know, was stopping you from creating a TikTok account or asking you, you just got yourself involved in the space and now you're having tremendous impact, which I, I, the I love. The SEC is trying idea. to stop me from investing, but yes, but I agree. Oh. Um. That, that's like different. The SEC, I, I don't mean me specifically, but the SEC is specifically has regulations to say that you can't invest in startups, but totally getting around that is like post permission for sure. I agree. Like you shouldn't accept that the SEC will regulate you. <laughs> you should accept that you're going to figure it out. <laughs> like, I like that's that. the thing. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. The question that I was <laughs> trying to, to get at is how can we, and, and I, I don't necessarily intend for you to comment on like the we aspect, how, how can we take control of our time, right? How is becoming a content creator allowed you to organize your life around the things that, that matter the most to you and pursue the opportunities that in the long term you'll feel the happiest or, or the proudest about? Yeah. I think one of the greatest things about being a content creator is that I post a video and then it works for me. So I, I post it and then it people can watch it and I don't have to do any extra work. This is like very well known, but it is just infinite scale, supposedly infinite <laughs> until like human attention. But what that means is that I can <clears throat> post a video and then go for a walk <laughs> and get the sun and like, stand outside from 12 to two and get really sunburned and get a lot of vitamin D. <laughs> like, like that's like a, a super, I think that's very important. I think it would be tragic if I posted a video and then I had to go file papers or something <laughs> or like for each person that watched it and I was stuck inside. So being a content creator gives you like leverage is what I'm getting at. So then you can like compress your time. So you manage your time so that you work and you want to be working like almost all the time and you don't want to be in the sun all the time, but you want to be able to do something where you can work for really hard for three hours and then get infinite leverage benefits instead of working mildly hard for eight hours in an office. You work hard for three hours, post a video, go for a walk for two hours, and then you post another video, work another three hours on another video. Yeah, that kind of lets you take control of your time. It, it, was that a roundabout answer? No, it's something I've definitely heard from other people. It's this idea of decorrelating your time from your output. Anyone can yeah. go to TikTok at any time. I could watch your videos from a year ago. There's no work on your side for maintaining that. And I'm right. I'm one of the things that I think about is that this conversation that you've started it's a conversation that belongs in a, a public forum. It's right now it's controlled by, it, it only takes place necessarily on TikTok or I know you're on other platforms too. The, the thing I'm getting at is, do you think at all 
about creator ownership, right? Promoting more creators owning their information in terms of being able to put it all in, in one central place, like a, a, a website or something that's breaking out essentially of algorithmic curation. Yeah. So I do think about that, but <clears throat> honestly, I don't really have the luxury to think about that a ton. So I do have all my videos saved. I could upload them to like nasdaq.com or something, but I currently am, because I'm so growing, I would say I'm reliant on these algorithms and these platforms for sure. I am like maybe curating a newsletter, but I'm focused on TikTok and hosting my videos there. And then I also, I have ideas for how I want to post on Twitter, but it's different. Like I don't want to be <clears throat> posting all my videos on Twitter because then it's, you curate a different audience than your TikTok audience, because why would your TikTok audience follow you on Twitter if you're just reposting your videos? So I, I think I'm actually struggling with like how to do that. But, but yeah, I don't really think about <clears throat> TikTok owning me, owning my platform too much. I think about, I just don't have time to think about it. I think I'm like, more like, okay, I need to grow. I need to make content. I need to focus on monetizing. I need to focus on all this stuff. And I, I don't have time to like, be like, oh, let me set up like a decentralized website or, and do that because that's not where the audience is. And that's not what I'm focused on. When I have more right. time, maybe I will. Yeah. I, I think that's a good point. I think that's not where the audience is, gets at. Most people are on TikTok. So you, it, it, it helps you a lot actually in that way. And right, we, we've obviously talked about decorrelating right, effort from output. You've built something that scales. But how do you think about, I guess, the monetization aspect of it? How do you build something that scales and gets you wealthy in the process? Yeah. So I was just two minutes ago saying that I've done something where I have infinite time <laughs> to go for a walk. And then 10, 10 seconds ago, I said, I have no extra time <laughs> to focus on data privacy. So yeah, I'm definitely like time constrained. I am currently like super focused on TikTok. I, so the question is like monetization. The way that I'm focusing on that is I'm actually getting out, I'm getting help. So I've, I've essentially found like a business partner that I want to work with. He's, he, he was previously working at the YC startup that I was working at super good friend, all that stuff. And he's essentially going to be my Michael Groon. So he like helps me with brands. He helps me with all this stuff, like editing podcast or whatever. But like the way that I need to do this is I need to be posting on YouTube for AdSense. I need, I already have the TikTok AdSense. I need to be posting podcasts. So I'm going to be starting my podcast in January. Look for it on NASDAQ on Spotify or whatever. I have an RSS or I have an anchor account. So NASDAQ podcast, YouTube AdSense. And then obviously there's like merch Then there's like advanced merch, which is the, similar to the Mr. Beast kind of thing where he can do something like that scales with, with the restaurants, with the 300 restaurants. But then there's also another version of that, which is like the, similar to the Emma Chamberlain coffee. So Chamberlain coffee, like coffee is a character in her YouTube videos. And so what she's done is she's just created her own coffee line. And it actually is like an improvement over certain types of coffee. Uh, it's just more convenient. So she can sell that. And what the benefit of that is, is it's not just you're purchasing a shirt, shirt that's a one-time thing. You're purchasing coffee and you purchase that every month. So then she's getting that engaged fan over and over. So you should be working on stuff like I am working on stuff like that. Consumables. Yeah, that kind of stuff. And then also, yeah, then the like bigger ones that are like upfront cost, but like downstream lion's share of the, uh, profits of everything that I'm doing is obviously like angel investing. And then a step before that would be like helping companies hire too. So getting a job board together of engineers or something that want to work for all these startups that I'm talking about. Is 
One of the great pieces of advice that, that I've heard that I think about is sort of Derek Sivers, right? Is he put this thing on his site called how to, I think it's like how to have a good job and make a lot of money, <laughs> but similar uh, to the Naval, how to get wealthy thread. Yeah. How to get rich without being lucky. You've obviously talked about that, which is great because we've spoken about this idea of what I'm interested in is if, you know, you consider any delineation between sort of your work and your art, which is what the Derek Sivers sort of thing talks about is that hmm. we hear this phrase work-life balance, which I, I find odd, but I'm also still a student, but I'm wondering what you think about, like, t- to some extent, we talked about working for three hours and then you also have the angel investing and these other things. and I'm just wondering whether it feels like you're working all the time or, or whether... So, so the three hours, I would clarify that and, and say three hours, then I get to work out for two hours and then I am straight back at it, like another three hours and then maybe a workout three hours, but I can choose how I schedule that time. Right. And I think this is another thing with Tim Ferriss's four-hour work week. Like people thought like he was actually going to work four hours out of the entire week, but it was really about compressing like the 60 hours that he was currently doing into four hours. So that way he had another... 56 hours in the week to work. And then he could take those hours and then compress those into four hours. And then he'd have another 52 hours. So that's the idea. I don't care about work-life balance. I want to be working all the time. And the way that I delineate art from work is that like the, the entire narrative is the art. Like certain pieces will be art and standalone and like good enough, but the entire like vibe, the narrative of pushing towards the future is the art. That's what it is. So it's, yeah, just focus on creating that every day. Like the art is actually me sitting down and working for six hours straight on a video and then not taking a break this time. And then working another six hours or whatever. Like when I was making the YouTube video on bioelectricity, like I turned off Twitter, I turned off everything. And for three days I like edited because that was like a huge video that I had to do. I'm not sure if you saw it, but I was like talking about bioelectricity papers, like re- hard research that was really difficult to explain. And that, that video took forever. So I think like part of the art is like shutting everything out and, and being able to produce a ton. And, and that's like part of the narrative too, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I really appreciate it. It's that. like how I think about it. I don't talk about that too much though, because you don't want to be like talking about what some people do, but I don't want to be like, oh, I'm working super hard, like all the time. Like, yeah. like I, I can find, I can show people that I'm working hard, but like with my actions, right? Like I by see. putting yeah. out a lot of stuff. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, you put out obviously a lot of high quality content that, that takes time and effort to create. And the thing I was just thinking about throughout all of that is I know that I myself am, am really only good for two or three hours of focused work throughout the day. And so I, I totally resonated with what you said about really like when you're working, you're going a hundred percent all out because I think that's just right. How you get the most benefit. That's how the art ends up being the best. It's super hard to push yourself that all the time. You have to find something that like, yeah, for sure though, but mm -hmm. that is part of it. Go ahead. Yeah. And I'm also interested in what you think about in terms of how you think about structuring your time going forward in terms of it's difficult because you have a lot of ideas, a lot of different ways to pursue. So, you know, a million. Yeah. Yeah. How, how do you prioritize things in your head? What, what gets done first? Yeah. So broadly, so on a month time scale, the way that I'm thinking about this currently is that I, I want to do two things. I want to 
I want to do, so, so this is like very specific to January is I want to do a merch drop that gets me like, like I want to do a merch drop around an event. I think I'm like thinking roaring twenties kind of thing. Like the overall vibe, like guys were entering like the actual roaring twenties have some merch around that. It's like vague for right now, but I want to do a drop. And what that will do is that will get me money <laughs> so that I can do other things. So that way I can put down an investment on uh, not an angel investment in this word phrase of the investment, but an investment on if I wanted to do a, a food product or something where I, I have an idea where I want to do like a, a protein coffee kind of thing. And, and I could get into the details on that, but it requires some upfront capital. So then I take the capital that I make from a merch drop, I put that in the upfront and then I can do the, the consumable and then I promote that and then I get more money and then I can build on top of that. So that's broadly like month to month, like a month plan of how I'm planning about executing ideas. Like it, it let, like finding the small domino that leads to the big domino. So the small domino is like an initial merch, then it's a consumable merch. And then the goal is that I get to contributing. So I'm, I'm telling myself that I'm not going to raise a fund until I uh, can contribute one third of the capital. So right now it's a million dollar fund. I want to have $333,000. <laughs> and so like, how do I get there? Well, I got to sell some merch. <laughs> I got yeah. to do some stuff. Um, <laughs> that's, that's genuinely, that's, I think that's currently the goal. And that sounds insane, but that's whatever. But then day to day, so I have, right now I block time. So I'm starting to use my Google calendar where it's, I have four hours to create a video. I have uh, like a work, I schedule my workouts. I schedule like when I wake up, stuff like just, I've started doing this and I'm getting better at it. I'm not perfect at all. It used to be like, I would just, I knew exactly what I need to do and like compress it or whatever. But what I'm really starting to do now is I'm like doing it on a very specific time frame. So if I want to make a video, I have, I'm giving myself 10 minutes to write down, like, I know all these ideas that are in my head. Mm -hmm. So I just need to have 10 minutes to, I don't need to bait the video idea for the entire four hours. <laughs> because then by the end of the four hours, I'm like, ah, I need to make a video. I need to have 10 minutes. And by the end of the 10 minutes, I decide on the video. Then 15 minutes, I work on the script. Then the next 15 minutes is like me collecting the images. Like I need to be super processed. So I'm getting more granular in my approach there. And then I'm like making sure that I have all that scheduled. I'm not sure if that is super helpful. I've never found like other people's scheduling advice to be super helpful. I'm just, just trying to find what works best for me. Yeah. It, it, um, yeah. But, it, but yeah. It's, it always helps to hear stuff. Yeah. As you mentioned, it's obviously very difficult to uh, live that sort of whatever, you know, you think is your perfect day. But as long you, as you're trying though, that's the right. thing. As long as you're trying, because dude, I, I am perfect. Uh, I'm like, <clears throat> I'm not perfectly okay with failing every time, but I'm perfectly happy that I've tried. If I actually tried, then I'm like, okay, look, dude, you tried. <laughs> but like, I'm not happy if I'm not trying to have a perfect day. That's where it's, that's where I get very frustrated. Yeah. One of the things that I think about all the time is this balance between creation and consumption, right? I, I find that my day goes better if I start the day by writing. If I don't just ping my brains with signals, just <laughs> shoot yeah. it full straight of information. And it, when I observe my own behavior, I just think I interact with information in such a weird way. Like, why is my email open all the time, right? Why am I going on Twitter in the middle of the day? And mm -hmm. it's difficult. But I don't know. I don't know if you think about signal curation like that at all, and whether that you, you try to avoid going on Twitter before you make a video or anything like that. Yeah, I used mm -hmm. to have a rule where I wouldn't go on Twitter until noon, 
and I'd have to make a video by noon. That was all right, <laughs> but I obviously stopped doing it, but I'm glad I tried it. <laughs> yeah, I think Twitter, so the way that I think about this is I'm probably gonna waste some time a day. So how do I wanna waste it <laughs> is what I think about. So then it's, do I have good Twitter algorithm or a bad Twitter algorithm? And that means whatever to anybody. But to me, it means, am I getting hard tech information? Is probably like the ideal NASDAQ Twitter feed, right? Also like understanding what's happening within the VC tech ecosystem, I think is important just for me in general to understand and have a grasp on. But essentially like, have I curated my algorithm so that I'm like happy wasting some time here? And then it's okay, get off and, and work so that you can post. <laughs> yeah, I think it's hard. It's hard. I don't really have a perfect answer for that. I think Twitter's tough, but I, I'd rather be spending like time on Twitter instead of TikTok. I'll, I'll spend some time on TikTok so I understand trends, but my videos aren't really trends. But it, it's also, I don't know, I guess TikTok makes you like happy. Like it knows what makes you happy. So but whatever, like very funny videos, like extremely funny. But anyways, then it's, yeah, it's just trying to create, curate the best algorithms. I, th I think you, like you'll waste time, but make, make sure it's like time well wasted. So you actually come away with maybe an understand. Like if, if you were to talk to me, and you asked me a question and you were like, so what do you think about uh, everybody moving to Miami? Like, personally, I don't care about the city narrative, but I like, and this sucks, but it's true. I need to know that people in tech are talking about this. Yeah. That is just generally important to know. Have a sig signal on it. Yeah. I don't know if that's super. It's interesting. Yeah. No, I found that helpful. Particularly, I don't. I use Feedbin and then just subscribe directly to those sources that I'm interested in, like Paul Graham and, and Sam Altman and people like that. But yeah, it's funny. I, th I think TikTok and, and Instagram and Twitter, they've hacked our brains very effectively. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. There's something about TikTok that is just yeah. especially hilarious. Yeah. And speaking of like subscribing, like you should also make sure that you're getting certain content. So like I, in addition to Twitter, which is where I find some things, but I also have a pretty large Google alerts list. So then every day I get an email of all the things that I want to stay updated on. And then I can like go to rabbit holes to, do, to those. So then it feels like it is not really work, but it's like my email is pushing me towards exploring. So I think that's an important like process. And I want to set up more like that. I, I, and part of the stuff I'm interested in is just where you find inspiration for your videos. It sounds like you have a very sort of systematic process, which sounds great, but you also seem like someone who has a lot of ideas. So is it more of a serendipitous thing or do you, you know, try to make a lot of videos about a certain topic at once or, or is it just whatever that comes to you on that day? Yeah. So it's like, I want to make, I have broad tents of thing, themes that I want to talk about. So geoengineering and terraforming is one of them. And then anytime I see something that's related to that, like I just file it away in my brain. And, and typically I always know the narratives that would go along with that. So like Pleistocene Park, I think is really interesting. When I saw something about the Salton Sea, like I immediately started researching all of that. But I think, I think I start from a place of at least knowing the broad themes that I want to talk about. And I need to do a better job of making all my videos about this. I've been whatever, but, but like essentially terraforming is a theme bioelectricity, like creating better organisms is a theme. Yeah. I think like enhancing the human body that's related to bioelectricity as well. I think yeah, terraforming space travel, like space exploration, like pushing boundaries. I think I eventually wanted to start talking about cities too, but not in the SF way, in a different kind of way. Uh, but, but yeah, I have these and I'm sure I have more, oh, batteries, like anything of that, like renewable energy, future energy is just important in general. 
yeah, th those kind of themes. So I have broad buckets of themes and then I know like the players within those themes. So that's, for example, to me, this is like required reading is like you, or like required knowledge is you should know that like Mike Solana talks about terraforming the Salton Sea in one of his pirate posts. <laughs> but I just know that because I had a good algorithm and that email from his Substack ended up in my inbox one day. And I don't know, I, like it, it's like calibrating your algorithm so that you get these things and then they just sink into your brain. And then when I know, like, I want to make a video on terraforming, it's, oh, okay, let me go, you know, read more again about the Salton Sea or something like that. I also have a whole, I have a list on my notes app on my phone. And then I also have a Google sheet called like my Memex, like my memory external thing, whatever. But it, it's mostly, I find that the human brain is a little bit better than writing all those down is all right, but I never actually get a ton of value from that. It's more like when I sit down and I say, okay, I want to make a video on terraforming. Okay. I want to make a video. And then I like go down. So it's like terraforming, then Pleistocene Park, then Sergey Zimov. And then it becomes, okay, I want to do, to explain to my audience, I want to one, explain like reindeers can terraform the Arctic or Northern hemisphere just by stirring up snow. And then two, that means that I can get into Sergey Zimov's background and then talk about how he started Pleistocene Park. And then three, talk about how Pleistocene Park can terraform and keep carbon sequestered. So like, <laughs> like this is, I, I don't know if this is like, I start super broad and I know like I want to make a few videos on terraforming and then it turns into those specific narratives. And for some reason, I, I think I'm just very fortunate. Like my brain just does that automatically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, no, I love that because your explanation yeah. of that wasn't particularly clear, but I could <laughs> see how excited you got that your brain was putting those together and that you could make a video that made sense afterwards. So the, the last question I typically ask in all my interviews and I've been really excited for, for this one, particularly this one, is just what excites you the most about the future? I almost think you should start with the most exciting question first. <laughs> but what excites me the most about the future is just, do you mean like personally or uh, like personally, I'm very excited that I find that I like have something that I can see myself doing for, you know, a hundred years. It just, it, it keeps expanding into something bigger and bigger. And, and so that's like extremely important to me and just keeps me motivated in general. In terms of like broad future tech, I, I, I come back to this, but I think rewilding and terraforming is really cool. I mentioned I'm obsessed with terraforming the Salton Sea. I'm currently writing like some short stories. I need to really release these, but I'm writing short stories on like how you terraform the Salton Sea and stuff like this. And, and, and then secondly, I also think that bioelectricity is really cool. So I think that within the decade, will have the ability to regenerate limbs from amputees. Like amputees will be able to regenerate limbs, I think. This is based on Michael Levin's research. I think he has regenerated the limb on a mouse, but this hasn't been like released yet. <laughs> but I think I'm sure, I, I think like his lab is maybe like waiting for it to continue growing <laughs> then it will be like published. But yeah, I think he's figured that out and he's on to the next step. So that is very exciting. I think that's cool because it shows that we don't actually have to do genetic engineering. We can do a lot of like bioelectrical stimulation to, to do a lot of these things. And, and, and that's just a different paradigm. But yeah, terraforming, bioelectricity, obviously space, like uh, space manufacturing, like Varda. But that's very cool. Very cool stuff. Yeah, it's so exciting. I was really waiting for you to just go off on that question because obviously whenever I watch NASDAQ videos, I get excited but it's there's just so much unbelievable stuff out there and and there's so much for us to innovate on outside the world of, of bits obviously as peter Thiel mm -hmm. talks about yeah there's so many videos i haven't made topics about yet that i'm like 
I need to make these videos. <laughs> but yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't wait to see this. But yeah, it's it's just an unbelievable time to be alive. Obviously, we talked about the post-permission world, but also there's just so much unbelievable innovation that's going to happen. And yeah, it's unbelievable to be a part of it, to be a part of the community that's talking about it and, and see where it goes. Yeah, yeah. It's awesome that you're reaching out to everybody. That's great. Yeah, obviously, obviously talking to you. As the conversation went on, I got less nervous. Obviously, it was all inside. But yeah, again, I really appreciate you doing this. And I'll look forward to you know seeing some NASDAQ merch get dropped, then, then reading some NASDAQ short stories and, and learning more about terraforming. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks Talk so soon. much. Take care. <laughs> thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Please like, subscribe, tweet, text, and share so that more people can find the podcast. Take care and we'll see you next time.